Merry Christmas. Today is a bit of a double episode uh, as our Christmas special. We don't have any Dave with us today, but we've got two brewers in the form of Kerry Gray from Choice Bros and Sam Whitney from Heyday, both uh, doing the brewing at two fairly youngish brew pubs in Wellington. Choice Bros is uh, just over a year old in their current location, and Heyday was literally being installed while I was there. Uh, really cool couple of chats there. Both have really unique takes and are doing something um, fun and interesting in right in the heart of Wellington. So you know, while everyone's looking towards the Tuataras and the Panheads and the uh, garage projects of that area, um, there's also some really cool breweries that don't really make it out to Australia. So yeah, next time you're over there, check them out. Um, but for now, enjoy the enjoy the listen, and we'll be back a little bit later in January with our hundredth episode. Keep an eye on the Facebook for details about that. Uh, where we'll be doing a bit of a live show. We just need to finalise all the deets. Uh, anyway, enjoy the chat. Uh, hello, Kerry. Hello. I'm with Kerry from Choice Bros. Yes. Do you say do you say Choice Bros or do you say Choice Brothers? Choice Bros, but okay. we respond to both. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and Husk Bar as well. How does I guess what is Choice Bros and what, and what is Husk and how do they they fit in? Um, so under one roof here, which is Husk, we have Choice Bros Brewing, we have Caramel Coffee Roastery, and we have the actual front of house sort of eatery uh, cafe bar, mm. um, which is named Husk. Yeah. Um, and the behind the name, the coffee beans have a husk as the barley. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sort of incorporates three businesses under one roof. Yeah. Uh, and Choice Bros has been around for a while now. Um, yeah, roughly four years, I think. It's practically ancient these days. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking before about like all the new brew pubs opening up around Mel- uh, Wellington. Sorry. So four years. Jeez. You're an old man in the scene. <laughs> I, even even the brewery here now on Husk is old in the scene. I think it's been four open since we opened one year ago today. Jeez. So How does that... Uh, are you concerned about competition or are you welcoming competition? We welcome it. Cool. So it's, it's definitely making a, a tourist destination. Um, and Wellington being such a small, um, concentrated city, mm. it's very easy to go between all the bars. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Everyone's doing a slightly different approach to their venue and their beers. And as brewers, we're all friends and all supporting each other as well. So we're normally borrowing equipment from each other and giving each other feedback and we're drinking each other's bars rather than yeah. our own. I guess it's easy if you short some hops or some malt to, to walk across the road somewhere. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I think I've got three breweries within 200 metres uh, from here, which yeah. is very handy. Yeah. So you said everyone's got different approaches. How would you describe the the Choice Bros approach? We typically don't brew to style. um, And we will start with an idea which may come from a suggestion from a friend or a movie reference or a song reference or going out for dinner and tasting something um, or a wine. Um, Pretty much any influence will um, (laughs) will look at it. Anything but beer. And then, yeah, and just go from there. Um, But our brewing style since we've had the bar open has changed a little bit just because as a bar there's an expectation that you have your ipas and your pilsners and that on tap all the time mm. um and we typically i avoid brewing those beers because i find them a bit as a brewer they're a bit boring mm. um but we need to brew those and so we've tried to utilize as many new hop varietals out of the, the states and out of um, europe as yeah. possible to keep it interesting which, uh, when you say out of Europe, like, because there's some interesting ones coming out of Germany and stuff, isn't there? Yeah, so we use quite a few of the German hops. Yeah. Um, they're half the price of the American hops and near half the price of some of the key uh, Kiwi or Australian hops. Mm. So it's actually cheaper to use them. Um, and they have really, really interesting um, sort of noble and citrus, citrus qualities um, that we just don't find in, in local American hops. Mm. How do you go getting New Zealand hops? I know they're um, <coughs> a lot go over to the states now and same with australian hops how is it for a small brewery actually in new zealand there for a small brewery it's not too bad um we don't forward contract any of the kiwi hops um but we don't use a lot of them Mm. Uh, we've only got one beer that's kiwi hops only um but key varietals like rewaka and sovin definitely for bigger breweries or breweries that want to have a core range and guarantee 
those hops and those beers um, definitely to be doing forward contracts. Pricing, um, the export market must be pushing those prices up. Um, especially those keys like Rewaka, mm. you compare that to the price of Citra, there's not a lot of difference and this yeah. is a hop that's travelling half around the world um, and it's harder to get than Citra. Yeah. Um, Which is kind so of, I guess, you know, so-called seeing loads of breweries in, in Wellington, for example, and also our hops kind of, New Zealand hops sort of also doing some heavy lifting, but... Uh, Price-wise, for local brewers, it can't be. You know, it's it's crazy, especially the stuff coming in Germany is half the price. Yeah, and more interesting, and it's in it's in fewer beers in New Zealand, so it's a point of difference. Yeah, um, so there's a lot of New Zealand brewers that only use New Zealand hops because that's their point of difference on an international market. Mm. But locally, that makes them just the same as all the other yeah, yeah, <laughs> beers yeah. where everyone else is using local. So, um, so using yeah some new varietals, both out of the States and in Germany, gives us a point of difference in the local market for sure. Anything that you've uh, used lately that really stood out? Um, Halatel Hull Melon um, is just an amazing, amazing hop. Mm. Uh, it's got sort of noble character, spicy, earthy character. Um, so Sars character, but then it's got this citrus and this melon notes. Um, yeah, the, the aromatics of it are, are amazing. Um, out of the States, um, Bitter Gold is really cool. And it's, 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 I don't think anyone else in New Zealand is using that at the moment. I haven't ever heard of it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a Key Hop and Owl APA. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like um, El Dorado, but it's like a bigger version of that. Ooh, nice. Bitter then, Gold doesn't, it sounds like such an old world hop name as well. It right? does, and I think that's why no one's using it, because yeah. they think it it's must be a bittering hop. Yeah. But actually, the aromatics, it's quite off it, but the aromatics off it are amazing. Yeah, right. um, so we use that and Denali for our APA. Yeah, cool. And then out of Australia, uh, Summer is one of the best hops around, and I hear they're discontinuing Yeah, it, yeah. Which uh, I think they should just give me some rhizomes, <laughs> and we'll continue it over here yeah. and see if we have any success. Well, um... You're the probably second brewer that I've chatted to recently that's been disappointed they've discontinued summer because uh, pretty sure Three Ravens used that in their lager or their, yeah, their Australian Pilsner and um, Brendan loved it and then now he has to rework it. Yeah, so. it's it's just an amazing hop. I think the first time I had it might have been a Colonial yep. uh, brew um, at Gabs a couple of years ago and then um, Braden Rawlinson who was uh, the brewer at Nomad, um, he's just left recently but we did a collaboration and he brought over summer, so it's a smash beer. Mm. So Gladfield's light lager, summer, and uh, New England sort of IPA yeast. Yeah. And that beer was just amazing, and it flew out the bar so quickly. Everyone's like, well, you know, what is in this? And it's like, this is just the most basic beer possible. Yeah, yeah. The palest malt, one hop, one yeast, done. Um, so just showed how much that hop um, sort of stood out. Mm. Yeah, New England IPA is kind of the, the buzzword at the moment. Uh, you... You've done a couple, right? Yeah, well, yeah so we've done quite a few. Oh. Um, in New Zealand, we've got a brewer from Vermont, um, so Jason Buffgate, who's at McLeod's. Mm. And we'd always have little uh, debates on Twitter about the style. <laughs> um, he gets quite riled up by people jumping on the bandwagon. And also calling it New England IPA. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of uh, controversy around that. Um, so I, I said to him, um, I want to brew one, but I want to brew the... First one I do here, I want to do with him. Yeah. And then that legitimizes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we did that. Um, and then from there, it, it went so well. We, we've been doing the regularly. So the next couple of weeks, we'll have two or three of them on tap at once. Cool. Um, there's definitely a lot of bad examples of that style out there. Mm, mm. Um, and as brewers learn to, to brew it properly and, and cleanly, that's yeah. the main thing. Um, there's definitely a market for it. I don't see them going anywhere. Mm. Just because they're so drinkable and soft and, um, and balanced. And refreshing. I had one last night at Heyday, which was brewed here, I yep. believe. Um, and that, yeah, that definitely had that soft characteristic um, without, you know, any yeast bite or, or booziness or, or anything that I get from the that style normally. Um, yep. So maybe I'm just having bad ones. That's why I don't like them. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people have that experience yeah. um, with all sorts of beers. Mm. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's nice to have some good examples around now and gives other brewers... Um, an insight into what they can be. Yeah. Because a lot of people, especially on the side of the world, haven't tried Alchemist. 
um, or Treehouse or Trillium or any of those mm. styles. Mm. Um, and both Sam and I, the heyday, um, we've been lucky enough to try those beers sort of yeah. two weeks from from packaging yeah. to sort of give us an idea of what it should be. And and how happy are you with your results you're getting compared to the, the big names? I think uh, just the quality of hops we get in, in New Zealand and having no access to whole cone flowers, mm. um, we're never going to be able to replicate the beers to the same degree that they do yeah. um, in the States. Why does whole cone flowers make a difference? Um, you get different sort of polyphenols and that off them and different yeah. attributes um, that the palates don't give. Yeah. Um, and that's why some brewers like Sierra Nevada still use flowers in all their beers mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, that definitely plays a part. It's interesting seeing people not really sure how to use them just yet um, or, you know, just trying whatever they can with them to see how they kind of fit in. It's, it's an exciting part of brewing at the moment. Yeah. Um, we're using oils quite a bit. Um, Matt from Modern Times came over uh, earlier in the year and brought some oil from Modern Times for us and sort of taught me how to use that. And we've been experimenting with it since um, and trying to do sort of all oil beer because it's, you get more yield Mm. Um, the aromas last longer so it's more stability but without the plant matter in there we're losing key flavor components that we associate to hops yeah okay even though the beer was ending up cleaner and more aromatic so it's there's uh still a lot of experimenting to be done yeah right what what do you think that is that you're losing like just uh so some of those classic hops that especially kiwi hops but um some of the like cascading that they throw off that sort of grassy um, yeah. and some of the piney notes, yeah. you're losing that sort of green vegetal yeah, okay. um, compound. Yeah, right. Um, which is something that I associate with certain sort of old school IPAs. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to replicate that with just oils. So at this stage, it's sort of a finding that balance between using pellets or plant matter um, and oils. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you're brewing a brown IPA today? Yes. And you're it's a feature. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about off mic. That's, that's going really well for you guys. And um, I guess, are you sort of surprised what sells over the bar and, and what doesn't? Yes and no. Um, our top selling three beers at any given time would be uh, Pilsner slash Lager and IPA IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not surprising. Um, but coming in at like four, five, six, you might have a red IPA, a brown IPA or brown ale and uh, sour beer. So it's definitely um, people willing to try a lot of different styles and the time of year doesn't seem to play too much of a part in that. Um, Wellington, though, is kind of the same all year (laughs) round, um, temperature-wise or weather-wise. But um, yeah, it's, it's cool knowing that we can do more risky stuff and people are keen to try it. Um, and we get that feedback directly across the bar. Mm. Um, all our duty managers, uh, assistant brewers here as well, mm-hmm. and um, and half of them are doing the assessment course. Awesome. Um, so it's yeah, it's nice for them to be able to discuss the beers face to face and give mm. customers an insight, but also get the feedback to pass on to me. Mm. Do you ever get anything horrible back? Uh, no, not really. Untapped, not, probably. That's where yeah, <laughs> untapped. I try not to look at untapped. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I guess seeing yeah what sales and that, and that interplay between customers and, and brewers, and I guess breaking down that that wall between where beer is made and how it's made, and yep, definitely a big focus for us at Husk was to keep the plan sort of open and to brew during our busier days. Yeah, so people could come in. We don't start brewing it. You know, five or six in the morning, we start brewing at nine. Yeah. Um, so people can come in, they can smell it, they can see it, um, they can hear call me or ask questions if they want. Yeah. Um, and it sort of opens people's eyes. And even now, like every week, we have people ordering beer at the bar, and they ask, you know, where are choice bros from, and the staff are like, um, if you turn to the side there, ten meters away, you'll see um, the brewery. It's made on site. So yeah, it's cool. so people, even with all that stainless right in their face, still don't have the connection yeah, okay. uh, which is surprising yeah but um yeah i guess it proves it's working having that um definitely yeah do you give them a wave like yep 
it's me over here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're so close. Yeah, yeah. So you can sort of talk from the platform to people that are in the lounge bar. Yeah. Um, what's exciting you at the moment in, in, in Wellington beer? Than your own. Um, <laughs> I would say what Garage Project are doing. Um, so Joss has got the Wild Workshop thing happening. Mm. Um, and he's got dreams, I think, of Wellington being like a little Brussels. Um, so the the wood scene and blendery scene here is kind of only just starting to happen. Mm. But there's definitely a lot of people who have been who have had ideas for a couple of years now. And I think that's going to start being implemented soon. Yeah. Um, so Wellington in a couple of years, I imagine there'll be a pretty amazing sort of wood barrel aged lambic style touch yeah <laughs> off. um yeah so that's all just starting to happen so it's pretty exciting seeing that are you i noticed a couple of barrels out there are you have you got sort of more long-term plans for that kind of thing yeah so we've got four and a half thousand liters in barrels at the moment um that'll be doubled um sort of early next year and that's all we have room for on site here um so yeah, we have a side project uh called echoes that is all barrel aged um mostly wild fermentation um yeah, which is pretty cool and that'll be bottle only release as well so cork and cage and that's so it's happening somewhere else than here um so it's all brewed on site here yep. and, and the barrels are all in the alleyway here oh cool oh um, yeah, yeah. I, I talk about I guess, that disconnect i walk past them. so yeah <laughs> so a lot of people think they're decoration yeah. um and you see beer geeks come in and they'll be tapping each barrel to, to see if it's got anything in it <laughs> um which always amuses me um like what so yeah. what is what are they doing there like are they trying to prove something like catch you out or i, I think oh maybe or maybe that's that's curious like <laughs> yeah, oh are yeah. these decoration are they real because yeah. there are a few uh brew bars or bars in new zealand that have big barrel displays and there's nothing in those barrels yeah um so it's just an image that they're after but um yeah our barrels are all full so and we've got some cool collaborations that we're working on as well with uh winemakers cool um and other breweries so it's so, um, yeah, I think that's the exciting part of not just Wellington, but New Zealand at the moment is these little blendery projects that are popping up mm. um, and barrel age programs. I guess with the wine industry so strong in New Zealand yeah. as well. And um, we're kind of seeing the same in Australia now with people, I guess, teaming up and doing blends with wineries or, or um, and also the spirits industry as well, back and forth. So yeah. I guess it's kind of cool demystifying or taking away the, the difference between beer and wine you know because it's just fermented sugar really uh. yes yeah definitely um and all the i guess the newer techniques that craft brewers are using mm. um they uh we kind of bring back all those old techniques belgian techniques mm. um that winemakers have been using for a long time mm. and a cool thing about having a brew bar we have an amazing wine selection here which is mostly sort of natural organic those winemakers come in to do their sales calls and that gives me an opportunity to, to talk to a, a winemaker for an hour and learn something, um, which is something I'd never have if I didn't have a bar. Yeah. And I never foresaw that connection happening. Hmm. Interesting. So it's, it's quite cool. So I'm, yeah, I'm learning stuff from winemakers now, which is great. And that's sort of becoming more interested in beer. So I think, we can see brewers doing more wine style beers and you can see winemakers starting little sort of brewing projects yeah um because they realize i can be making beer the other nine months of the year that i'm not doing doing wine yeah and you've got all the a lot of the similar gear not the same gear yeah. but, um, and then they could they've already mastered the techniques that we're trying to learn as brewers yeah. um with wood and wild fermentation and the like so what are some of the things you've learned from, or, or one good thing you've learned from a, a winemaker? Good thing, uh, I guess, uh, treatment of barrels, um, just how to to clean a barrel and and rehydrate it properly and all that mm. sort of thing, um, which I kind of had a general idea of, um, but talking to someone who does that with hundreds of barrels regularly, mm. yeah, just gave me reassurance. And that's there is that kind of perception that if something's in a barrel then it's going to come out good you know you see oh we barrel aged it and but that i guess treatment of barrels and, and thought thought into that process is something that it definitely um 
and we sort of write off maybe 10% of barrels in a project, mm. maybe crap, yeah. and maybe dumped or have to go to blending. Um, but there's a lot of, especially in smaller breweries, sort of everywhere, uh, Australia and New Zealand, just grabbing a, a red wine barrel and throwing a stout into it and just releasing it. Um, yeah, get a bit sick of those and these, <laughs> they're not necessarily balanced or refined or purposeful. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a change in awareness of, you know, picking specific barrels and doing certain style just for that barrel mm. and identifying and blending and, yeah. Yeah, I remember a few years ago that just so many really oaky, oaky beers coming yeah. out and it was just like, man, these are all terrible. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it's still happening. It's, yeah, it's pretty much fun to talk about the red barrels. It's just massive tannins yeah. and not balanced. And you're sort of drinking this, what could have been an amazing beer, but you're just sort of yeah. stripping your... So I was at the Wild Workshop yesterday and I saw the photos they have there uh, and speaking of rehydrating, and they had one of them that they're trying to rehydrate at the moment. I think he said he's been doing it for a month or they've been doing it for a month and it was just like constantly recirculating water in it and yep. it's just leaking constantly. Um, so I guess, you know... Condition of barrels has got to be important too, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, we try to get them as fresh as possible. So all the the wine barrels that we've got, well, most of the wine barrels in the alleyway there, within a week of them being emptied and having no sulfates used in them at all, yeah. we're filling them up with beer. And other ones, yeah, we're rehydrating them and, and sort of taking care of them. Mm. And there's a lot of money in barrels. All the whiskey barrels we have on site, they're roughly four to $500 Kiwi per barrel. Yeah. And we might only get one decent use of that barrel for that flavor yeah yeah um so it's a lot of investment um so you don't really want to mess it up too much yeah so and a lot of time as well to mess and it. a lot of time yeah and it's the other thing with barrels programs at the moment both in, Aust- in australasia is patience is lacking mm. so there's a lot of beers that are being barrel aged that could be awesome mm. um and they're just being released too early just because Maybe investors are saying that we need some return on these. We could sell them. People will buy them. Mm. But it's not at the prime. So we're definitely going to see an increase in quality once this barrel program is more established and there's enough stock to sort of rotate through and age properly. Mm. Um, the big players, I guess, in New Zealand are pretty prominent recently. Is there kind of concern, a wider concern about, you know, things like Panhead and, and Emerson's being quite big brand selling? Are you finding that sentiment from customers or are people just kind of indifferent mostly indifferent uh there's a few diehards um i'm i'm friends of both of those breweries the panier tortara and, and emerson's yep. um and they've been massive supporters and they've helped us out with ingredients and we've contract brewed with some of them yeah um so it's tricky we live in a capitalist society so it's always going to be that <laughs> sort of thing um happening but in regards to from a competitive nature, um, if you're fighting for supermarket shelf space with six packs or above, yeah, yeah, I'd be shitting myself. Yeah. So it's, but as a, a small brewer, and that's not our focus. Then, if anything, it's growing the the demographic that of craft beer mm. um, customers. Mm. Um, so it's only going to draw people in here, and they they'll start with that, and then be like, oh, let's try something more interesting, and that's where. They end up coming in here and yeah yeah do you package here we don't um so we've we've canned stuff so last year um the outer north end yep and we're gonna probably look at just doing that in the future for for package product just because i can't afford a a packaging line that will give the quality hmm. um that we want um plus the noise of having that in a, in a brew bar is just not yeah, practical yeah. um but all of our barrel age stuff will be um, hand bottled yeah or we'll um so make friends with wild workshop and see if we can um <laughs> yeah. tanker uh, some of our beers down there and put them through their their bottling line their flash bottling line so yeah i'm sure i could bribe them somehow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so what's the, I guess, the long-term plan for for choice bros uh kelly ryan from fort brewing sort of said that uh this sort of business model is a retirement brewery yeah um and I love that idea. <laughs> so it's um so retirement, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, uh, I I just like that we can sort of potter along here and do our thing and and not feel pressured to grow. Um, and 
yeah, the bigger it gets, the just the more work we create and the less I'll end up brewing. Mm. And you get that sort of what having the pan here, you just have to mortgage your house and then mortgage your family's homes and then you only just start making that back again, but yeah. you need to grow, so you need to repeat the whole process and it's just this big spiral of um stress and anxiety. Mm. Um so I want to try to avoid that. Yeah. And um <laughs> yeah. and yeah, just keep going doing what we're doing. Um all the stainless stuff is basically having fun and, and paying for what we're doing with um our sort of ecos project with the the barrels and wild fermentation hmm. um so that's kind of where my passion lies and i'm still learning how to do that so <laughs> yeah. awesome anything before we wrap up that you want to add about choice bros or just life in general life in general um not really i think um i like to touch the the article that you did on good bear hunting about oh, yep. sort of depression mental and health mental and health and, yep. and the and the beer business was very much probably the best piece of writing I've I've read in a long time. Thank you. I'm not gonna edit this out. Um, keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um it definitely hit home for with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um and we're definitely in an industry where um sort of the drug aspect aside is stressful and competitive and cutthroat. Um and then you add in to the brew bar part as well, then you're doing hospitality, which is the same again mm. it's very cutthroat and very um <laughs> do you need to get that yeah i don't even know what that noise is i didn't even know we had a phone back then. okay <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh, that yeah the article was definitely touched home cool um so yeah, thank you for that no worries um yeah the feedback on that has, has all been sort of similar and um a lot of people have been saying, you know, some of the things where they hadn't might have, might have thought that they had issues, and now they're coming and they've gone all the way and thought about that. Actually, maybe I don't need to speak to someone, or um, you know. So yeah, it's, it's been cool to be part of that, and um, the people that were willing to sort of open up about it was was cool as well. So yeah, it's yeah. definitely good to start the conversation. Yeah, um, it's amazing that it, it doesn't happen, and, and we're all sort of guarded about it. Uh, yeah. And you know, you look around the industry, and it's like, man, a lot of people spending a lot of money. Yeah. Um, to, to really not make much money back and potentially lose money. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's high stress. And I, I guess part of it could be the competitiveness. You want to make give the appearance that you're, you're kicking ass and you're succeeding and you're doing well. Yeah. Um, where most of the time everyone's like, okay, just trying to make ends meet. Yeah. Um, and working their ass off in the process. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, where do people find... Husk. Husk. So we're in uh, Wellington's very small city. Uh, so we're in Gusney Street. So we're about 40 metres from Cuba Street, which is sort of the most famous street, I guess. Yeah. Um, and on the street, you'll find Garage Projects, Wild Workshop, uh, Whistling Sisters Bruva, um, Fortune Favours Bruva, um, sort of all within a couple hundred metres. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, it's a nice little destination. You yeah. can actually do a bar crawl yeah. <laughs> between these bars yeah, if yeah. you wanted to. Wellington is so easy to, to just stumble from. Place to place, yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, and the the range of beers just in this tiny little sector is is amazing. Mm. So it's it's a good time. Uh, and what about online? Online, uh, I'm pretty. Sh- well, I'm, we're pretty much a choice bros is pretty much a one person operation. Yep. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty crap at doing uh, the online stuff. Uh, Instagram, um, choice bros. Um, it's probably the the one we keep up to date the most. Cool. Um, I'm yeah. just gonna check if I follow you on Instagram. Go. I don't. I don't really like Instagram, but so uh, Instagram's cool because you get to see there's no sort of marketing as such normally. Um, and it's mostly just really cool pictures and a lot of behind the scenes imagery. So it's the Choice Bros one will be us, you know, on a winery somewhere doing some cool stuff and lots of random. Uh, random I do. Stuff. I do follow it, so that's good. Oh, yeah, some good photos there. Cheers. I need to use Instagram more. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Uh, and Facebook, um, just Choice Bros as well. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank uh, you. I really appreciate it. And good luck with this brown IPA you are currently brewing. Yeah, that's right. Better go check on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, maybe we'll chat next time you're in Australia. Sounds good. Awesome. Cool. Cheers. Sitting here at Heyday with Sam Whitney. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Uh, what's Heyday? 
Um, Heyday Beer Co. is our new brew pub, so it's a full brewery, 12 hectoliter brew house, um, full bar with um, 13 taps of beer, and a kitchen. Cool. So, yeah. Newly newly minted. Just newly minted. Day. Yeah, yeah. This is day six. Wow. Yeah. How's it going so far? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're sorting our, all of our systems out and trying to get the brew house functional and operational. Mm. Uh, we've been lucky enough to hire some really awesome staff cool. that are doing a great job. We've got a good chef who's making tasty kind of uh, Americana, Louisiana, Creole, kind of Southern American inspired dishes. Yep. Um, so I've been pretty impressed with this food so far, and I'm really excited to do beer and food dinners in the future. Yeah, cool. So, yeah. Uh, so brew house not up and running yet. So you're brewing uh, with a couple other people around Wellington. Yeah, that's correct. Um, the first three brews that we released on a kind of contract style um, were through North End Brewery in Waikanae. Yeah, with my um, good mate Kieran Haslett Moore, mm. um, and we brewed um, on his kit, which is basically twice the size. So it's like a twenty barrel, two thousand four hundred liters. Um, we released um, our first three beers, which was a Horizon APA, uh, Moon Gold, Apricot Ale, and Layback Lager, which is kind of a German malt base and all Kiwi hops. Um, and then the second two, this, the fourth and fifth beer were um, Haze Wave and Spectrum, which I brewed with Kerry Gray mm. at Choice Bros Brewery at the Husk Bar and Eatery. Yeah, cool. Um, I really enjoyed Haze Wave. Uh, it's got that nice soft palate um, and no yeast harshness, which I, I get from a lot of those beers. Yeah, yeah. I was really concerned about the yeast harshness. Um, when I first kegged it off the first week, it was quite had that quite metallic kind of harsh bitterness to mm. it. And I was really concerned. And Kerry has a bit more experience brewing unfiltered beers than I do. And he said, oh, don't worry. After like a week, it'll chill out. It'll, you know, it'll condition in the keg as long as you keep it nice and cold. And, yeah. and you know, some of that yeast will, will drop out and um, cold condition in the kegs. And he was completely right. So it's gone. Mm. It's gone nice and fruity and soft. And it lost. There was a little bit of like a grainy kind of mouthfeel from the yeast as well yeah. that um, I, I didn't really care for. And that completely dropped out about the same time as the bitterness. So Interesting. Now it's just pretty much what I intended. You know, a nice orange mango Fruit bomb. Yeah, yeah. Low IBU. Yeah. Uh, I added 12% oats and about 4.8% wheat to the grist so yep. that it would have a nice polyphenol haze. And borrowed the um, White Labs 008 Conan yeast from um, Matt Dainty at Boneface Brewery. Yep. So he gave me a nice corny keg of his yeast. Awesome. And um, that yeast is amazing because it kicks off this like really killer like ester, like real fruity ester character in the fermentation that really accentuates the hell out of the hops. Mm, mm. And, um, is that yeah. the Hedy Topper yeast? Is that rumored to be Hedy Topper? That is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Conan comes... What I've been told, anyway, is that it comes from the UK. I don't know which brewery, but it would probably be one of the big ones, like mm. Fuller's or Young's. And it was a yeast strain that um, was being used by the brewers in Vermont and um, New England mm. um, to kind of because they really liked the the yeast character that it gave in combination with hops. Um, I think back then I've had Hetty Topper by the Alchemist, and also Focal Banger is like one of the best beers I've ever had in my life. Mm. Um, I've been lucky enough to have two cans of it, um, and they're they're a little more old school, a little more high high levels of bitterness. Yeah, um, they're you know can conditioned with the yeast, so if you pour the can carefully, it's actually crystal clear. It looks like a you know what people call a West Coast IPA or whatever. Yeah. But if you roll the can like a Cooper's, then you end up with a with yeah. the yeast in suspension, and it looks a bit more like Haze Wave. Yeah, interesting. Um, so you're obviously not from New Zealand. What's nope. your background? Uh, background, I grew up in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina in the United States uh, and lived there until I was 18. And then as soon as I could, I was like, I'm out. So I, um, I moved to Portland, Oregon in 97 yep. and lived there. Um, unfortunately, I didn't know that much about beer at the time. But I still was able to try a couple. I remember I drank Bridgeport in Portland, which was mm. like I was real into the Bridgeport Porter. Um, it was some of the first craft beer I ever had. Um, but I didn't really drink that much craft beer. Um, and then I moved around the States quite a bit in my 20s. Went to school in Vermont, actually, in Burlington, Vermont. Went to the New England Culinary Institute. Worked as a chef the whole time. Um, and then um, lived in the Bay Area. Lived in Oakland, California, and up in um, uh, Truckee and uh, Lake Tahoe area. And then uh, met a lovely lady who had dual citizenship and decided to 
move around the world. Yeah, right. And here I am in Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> of all places. Yeah, yeah, I've been here about eight years now. Cool. Yeah. And, and I, uh, what started with the, how did you get into brewing? Um, I got into brewing, I did a couple of homebrews with some of my chef mates. We did some um, homebrews with a couple of my chef mates in the States, but nothing really that serious. And then when I moved here, I very quickly, um, I, I worked as a chef for the first four months and decided I needed to do something new with my life mm. and got offered a job at Hashigozaki, which is a craft beer bar working with Dominic Kelly. And uh, David Wood was the general manager. So, um, yeah, we, um, I just kind of fell in love with craft beer then. Everyone that worked there was all home brewing. Dave Wood is a really excellent home brewer. He's been brewing for a long time at home. Um, and he just said, hey, call Joe Wood at, at Liberty Homebrew Supplies because this is when Joe still owned Liberty. Mm. So I gave Joe a call and he made me a mash tun and a kettle and um, haven't really looked back since. Yeah, cool. Um, and I guess coming into this place, kind of doesn't look like a brew pub in terms of the color scheme uh and the the salt and pepper shakers of flamingos and cactuses and, <laughs> uh you know it's kind of soft colors uh, how what was the approach with this and and how did you guys come about um uh, hannah blackwood is is uh one of my business partners and a designer and um she um she has a really amazing eye for color and and we didn't want it to be masculine or inclusive i mean exclusive mm. um so uh, she picked the colors i had nothing to do with it <laughs> and i was a little bit nervous when the first um, mint green went up yeah but once i saw everything in place i see that her master plan for what she wanted yeah. like sean golding was saying last night it's a celebration of the demasculization of beer yep which i really like because yeah. like i mean everyone likes beer you know yeah yeah there's no reason that you need to have a man cave, you know. It's I, I quite like it. It's actually like I worked at Panhead, and it's pretty much the exact opposite of Panhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I, you know, it's cool. You know, I like motorcycles and and custom cars, but I have no problem with um, pink flamingo salt shakers either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a brew pub opened up in Melbourne like last week as well, and. Their colours are quite similar, like slightly darker, but that same sort of soft pastel-y uh, colours. And I, I walked in and went, oh, you know, not many brew pubs look like this. And then I came in here, I was like, oh, okay, now two have a similar thing. Um, but it's it's kind of nice to be somewhere that's not the same as everywhere else. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. We want to stand out in every aspect of what we do. Mm. You know, we want to do everything different and into and, and the, you know, high end of our abilities um, and you know everything from the way the bar looks when you walk in to the beers that are pouring making sure the beers are are the best beers that we can we can make and mm. sell um, just really adds to the experience I mm. think you know you don't want to walk in here and feel like you just walked into any other bar that you've been to and it's oh great another another beer bar mm. um, so, especially yeah. in Wellington uh, it yeah. is, it was easy to notice the other brew pubs opening up around the place at the moment um yeah. is there kind of i guess uh, almost pressure to stand out and or, or, or do your own thing or is it does it help you know clarify an idea when there is so much competition i wouldn't say it's pressure it's just natural i mean it's just you know human human evolution yeah. you know I've, I've always been slightly left of center type of personality so for me it just seems ordinary like why would i do what everyone else is doing that's boring yeah i don't want to <laughs> i definitely don't want to bore people <laughs> um let's talk about the beer um what are you sort of looking to do with the beers um you know once you get the brew kit up and running and you settle into the place how you know what are people going to expect coming in here um, well, they're definitely going to expect lots of uh, like new school, New England, East Coast, whatever you want to call them, um, IPAs because they're really delicious. They're mm. they're fun to brew, um, but I'm really passionate. My my real passion is saisons and beer to guards, farmhouse sales, mm. um, and my kind of my mission is to use IPAs and pilsners and lagers as kind of the gateway to um, hopefully convincing people to try my other beers that maybe are a little bit more challenging yeah. or harder to sell because I, I'm really passionate about Belgian influenced beers hmm. and I'd really like to like my mission is to make awesome IPAs and pilsners but also make killer farmhouse ales um, and introduce them to people and get people to, to see what I see when I drink them because mm. I just love the incredible complexity from the yeast character. I love hops, like don't get me wrong, but there's, you know, there's a lot more to beer than just hoppy IPAs. Mm. 
and um, I find that saisons and um, and those Belgian yeasts are like incredible with food. Mm. They have a really vinous quality and character. Um, so I'd really like to convince people to to embrace them similar to the way they have in the states, where you see a lot more like rustic farmhouse style breweries like mm. Oxbow and you know Allagash and places like that that are like really highly influenced. Um, I'm also really keen to start a like a barrel program in the next like two years. It's my one of my my mission goals. Um, I'm going to start with clean barrels, and then eventually I might have a play with sours. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, you know, I. I'm a little nervous about bringing bread into the brewery, but yeah. um, after speaking with some of the the kind of heavyweights in New Zealand, like the Kelly Ryans and the you know Soren Eriksons and Jason Bathgates, um, they they've pretty much convinced me that as long as I can keep my brewery clean, it'll be all right. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Um, space-wise for barrels, do you think you'd have the space here, or is there more space that you can use? Um, yeah, we've got quite a bit in the back. Um, we might look at. Um, going in with a couple of the other brewers in Wellington, maybe on a storage unit or a warehouse somewhere. Um, So, yeah, there's always um, opportunity for those kinds of things in the future. Right now, I just want to get the brewery operational and just make a (laughs) decent XPA. You know, that's my – you got to keep a – yeah, you stay focused. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, you know. (laughs) I need to get a new flu and we need to uh, finish getting our buffer tank installed and then um, I'll be away. So it's been, I guess, a slightly painful process then? Oh, not too painful. Nah, I mean it's been a long it's been a long year and a half of planning to get to this point. But um, you know, it, there's so much to do that you know it just gives me more time to prepare and make sure my recipes are right and mm. and just sort out all the details on the brew floor. So mm. you know, if I think that if I was brewing last week, I probably wouldn't have made as good of a beer as I will next week. So it gives me just a little bit more time to uh, you know get my get my um, planning in order and. Yeah, make sure that the brewery's set up correctly and all my flow paths are correct. And yeah, is it um, you know, the Wellington seems seems so uh, I guess inclusive and welcoming and and supportive as you mentioned. You know, going yep. in with other brewers to yep. get a space. Um, is it kind of fun to be part of that now? It is. We're really excited. Like we we there's a, a private group with all the brewers in Wellington. It's called Brew Street. And um, we've all been discussing, you know, if you need a pH meter or you need some calcium chloride or, you know, you run out of CO2 and you need to carbonate a beer, you can just go down the street. You know, um, I won't have my mill until next month, so Kerry's going to let me use his mill to mill all my grain. Mm. Um, you know, there's definitely a sense of um, cooperation and we're looking to make Wellington uh, like a global destination for breweries and brew pubs similar to like you know, a Portland, Oregon, or like a Brussels. Mm. Or we we really want to create a community around beer, and you know, with heavyweights like Garage Project in the mix too, they're really keen to do the same. They mm. they're definitely not intimidated by all the brew pubs popping up. I think they love it. Yeah, I know, I know Joss and Peter are really excited. So yeah, yeah. When he checked out the Wild Workshop yesterday, um, and Joss took me around the corner to look at Whistling Sisters from the outside, the new brew yep. pub just next door, and. Yeah, yep. What's it? The other one, for founding fathers. What's the one across the Fortune road? Favors. Fortune Favors. Yeah. Um, there's so many popping up that you're sort of yep. forgetting the names of them. Yep. <laughs> and, it, and I guess it is, it is interesting um, seeing almost that divide between, you know, there's quite a lot of money behind those ones, and they're kind of part of a big pub group kind of a scenario. Yep. Uh, and they're brewing, you know, seems to be brewing fairly safeish beers versus what you guys and, and Kerry and Wild Workshop are doing. Yeah. Um, and I think it seems like there's a market for both now. Oh, I hopefully so. there is. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit like I was saying before about, you know, gateway beers. Like, you want to, we, we need to expand the market for, you know, craft beer drinkers or people that are willing to spend a little bit more money for higher quality products in mm. general. Mm. Um, and so if you can, you know, if you're a brewery and you want to make a 4.7% golden ale that's perfectly brewed, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. Mm. Mm. Um and, and I think, you know, there's also room for people that want to get really experimental, like Kerry's Atlanta Square Pantis, which is like a pina colada goza, you know. it's yeah, He's 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 a wild brewer. He brews what he wants. He brews what he loves. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's room for it all. And uh, I think it's um, it's really, really good to have each brew pub have its own kind of style of beer as well. We don't want to be brewing all the same things, mm. you know. So if... if Every brewer has their own personality and knows what they like to drink and what they like to make. So mm. I think it's good to you know have the freedom to do that. Mm. Um, Beavana is obviously a big thing here in 
in Wellington as well. Do you th- do you think kind of things like that are helping put Wellington on the map in, in that sense of making it a destination and and I certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of Australians over from Melbourne. It's a pretty quick, cheap flight for a lot of Australians, and then they love it. Mm. Um, and it's the same thing with Gabs in Melbourne as well. You see a lot of Kiwis going over there. So mm. um, I think it's great. Yeah. You, are you planning on sort of getting involved in festivals and things like that? Once oh, you're definitely. Set up? Yeah, yep. yeah, definitely. We're going to be definitely be in Birvana next year. Cool. Um, and we just missed it this year. We were offered a half stand, and we just didn't have enough beer, mm. and didn't have enough time to really pull it off. We decided to hold hold off till 2018. Mm. Um, our first beer festival will be December 9th, uh, which is beers at the Basin, just yeah. down at the I cricket, saw an cricket for pitch. That. What's the deal with that one? Um, it's just a big, massive beer festival in the basin okay. and um supposedly this is supposed to be the best summer in five years so yeah. the odds are good knock on wood that yeah. um that the weather is going to cooperate this is wellington after all but yeah. um if you can imagine five thousand people in a big beautiful cricket pitch with 18 breweries and i think nine wineries and oh, a cool. bunch of different food cool. um, and also i'm not i don't know the lineup but i know they have a full stage and musicians performing they've sold over four and a half thousand tickets wow so if the weather if the weather's nice it'd be awesome because I think Wellington's always needed a really cool outdoor beer festival. Yeah, yeah. We also uh, have Cuba Dupa coming up this year. So Cuba Dupa is the big um, Cuba Street Festival yeah. that they've I think it's be the fourth year, um, and their main stage is literally outside. Oh, awesome! So it's going to be a huge for us. Yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to have to stockpile beer for that weekend. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. There's there's heaps of cool events, and um, we're definitely really excited to take part in them and and to also to create our own events you know around the around the brewery with the food and the beer and yeah yeah um it's feel nice to sort of be sitting in your own or in a, in a brewery that you're going to be brewing the beers for and kind of you know if your, it, your own it place feels really nice <laughs> I, I think this place is beautiful i'm really happy with the way that it looks and feels it's got a good energy we've got good good people in here we've had amazing people coming in you know, a lot of my friends coming out to support and a lot of new friends that I'm making along the way. So, mm. you know, he's only been open for five days. So, yeah, it's becoming less and less surreal every day. The first couple of days when we opened it, I felt like I was some kind of bizarre dream and I was going <laughs> to wake up. But, um, yeah, I just really love it. I love, like, coming from restaurant experience as a chef. Like, I really, my favorite restaurants were open kitchens and, you know, the buzz you get and the uh, relationships you have with the, the customers and the staff. It's so much better than being a production brewer where you're kind of in a warehouse, you mm. know, and you're kind of cut off from everything and you don't really have too much contact with the people that are actually drinking your beer. Whereas as a brew pub brewer, I get to talk to people like, well, I'm brewing beer. I'm going to be like, I mean, the, the platform's literally like in line with the bar. So, yeah. you know, people, people will be sitting about five feet from me while I'm brewing beer. And yeah. um, I love being able to answer questions and, and get to know people and get feedback. Yeah. I had a guy tell me the other day that Haze Wave was the best beer he'd ever had in his life. Right. I take that with a grain of salt. Like, But um, <laughs> but um, it was pretty awesome that he had such a positive experience and loved it so much. Yeah, and yeah. I think it kind of changed his perception of what an IPA could be. Hmm. So, um, yeah. Is there plans to do packaging at any point? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we're looking at getting a small counterflow filler to do samples because we're definitely going to be selling our beer around greater New Zealand and then possibly Australia and yep. who knows where else, um, Hong Kong. Um, but that's a long way away again. Right now we're just focusing on keg sales only and cool. keeping the beer as local and fresh as possible. Yeah. Um, there's portable canning line companies that could come in and the way that we've designed our wet floor, it would be really easy for them to back their trailer in yeah. and we could, we could package up, you know, 1200 liters of of canned beer if we want yeah uh, you know there's there's definitely you know the future is wide open we've also got the um the front area of our brew floor we designed the brew floor to be twice over twice the size of what we need right now awesome and we're looking at having possibly having a um a woman who's a distiller from canada come in and um start um a uh, uh, reflux and pot still and start making gins and white spirits and awesome. possibly putting some whiskey barrels away which i'm really excited about yeah um I'd love to get some, get my hands on some uh, fresh gin barrels and put some beer in there as soon as the gin comes out. Yeah. And um, I think gin, gin, if you look, is, is super popular even amongst craft beer drinkers right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's delicious. How can you not like it? So, <laughs> yeah. you know. And it's kind of cool seeing, uh, you're increasingly seeing beer and spirits and beer and wine just kind of 
yeah. instead of becoming like an enemy or, or beer versus wine, it's they're kind of becoming part of that same industry or yeah. same scene. Yeah, we've um, as far as our wine list goes, we focused on 100% n- uh, New Zealand made wines yep. and 100% New Zealand made spirits. Cool. So, you know, it's the spirit industry in New Zealand's quite young, yeah. and it's pretty difficult to find like super high quality, but. We tasted pretty much everything that's made in New Zealand and found our favorites and just decided to stick with that and cool. not use any large international distilling companies and not use any any non-New Zealand winemaking as well. Cool. Because, so, I mean, there's, there's an incredible range of talent here and it's all, there's so much crossover. You look at what um, Joss is doing with his natural wines mm. and um, you look at what Kerry's doing with uh, Echo's program where he's um, doing sour beer aged in New Zealand wine barrels mm. and whiskey barrels. Um, yeah, there's there's no reason they can't you can't blur those lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon that's all I all I have. Anything that you want to add or say before we wrap up? Oh no, it's just nice to meet you. Yeah, um, yeah I'm excited uh, to check your blog out and listen to your podcast. And cool. uh, yeah, thanks for the interview. No worries. Uh, where if people want to find information, do they do it on the internet? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're um, preparing to launch our website. Hannah's been designing our website for us. It's not quite off the ground yet but you can always um you know contact us at um through the facebook and you know the, the twitter and all those things cool. um the website should be launched in the next like month or two awesome yeah i think and it's a landing that's page just heydaybeer.com cool awesome uh and you're on cuba street here in, in wellington yeah we're 264 cuba we're up at the top of cuba uh, we're calling it upper cuba that's our neighborhood okay we're representing upper cuba um, i think i stayed like Two places along is some sort of village cottages, maybe yeah, this yeah, yeah. or the next block. Yeah, there's there's a good bit of um, places to stay up here. There's heaps of foot traffic, lots of young people um, up at this end of Cuba. Mm. There's lots of independent businesses. It's just a really great up-and-coming area. It's a five-minute walk to Garage Project from here. Mm. It's a two-minute walk to Tuatara Third Eye. Um, Black Dog Brewery, which is... Um, they are on Blair Street. They're now moving here to Upper Cuba as well, so they're going to be about two minutes away from yeah, us. Well. So we're going to kind of create a little little beer community. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. Sweet. Uh, thanks, and Luke. I look forward to, to seeing where Heyday goes in the future. Me too. <laughs>